Alright, tonight we are, today, this week, we are beginning a new series called Just a Phase. I don't know if you got, what have you got there for us, Clayton? There we go. It's Just a Phase, so don't miss it. So for today and next Sunday, we're going to be looking at this idea. It's Just a Phase, don't miss it. Um, if you were here last Sunday morning, who was here last Sunday morning when we had uh, Lauren's induction and we had Kim Smith come and preach and she sort of set up this idea really well for us that what we do into the next generation, into uh, kids and youth is super important in the way we think about, the way we interact and the way we minister and um, I suppose posture ourselves towards this next generation is super important for the life of their own faith and the, the life and vitality of the church as well. So uh, what we're talking about tonight, and Lou's going to get up and share her wisdom um, tonight, so that's going to be really cool. Uh, is really important. So let me read a verse from Mark 9, verse 37. It says, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. So God, would you help us to understand your words, God? Would you help us to live it out and to really pay attention to, to what it is you want to speak to us tonight about? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was um, interested to uh, do some looking back into history and to, especially at music, of um, the different decades that we've grown up with. And some of us have grown up with more music and more decades and seen more decades than others. I've seen four, no, three. I can't see four decades. At least Next, well, next year I want to say four decades. Um, I'm not going to ask how many decades each person has seen. There's a few generations represented here. Uh, but for some of us, we might remember um, some of these songs, Come Fly With Me in the 1950s. This was a soundtrack of Come Fly With Me. Does anyone know that song? Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly with me. Frank I mean, yeah, Bublé made it famous for our generation, that's right. Well, in the 60s, we sang um, Sweet Caroline. Sweet Caroline. Everyone sang it. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows that bit. <laughs> you don't need to remember any words to that bit. Uh, or in the 70s, we were singing YMCA, got the actions. Oh, what a classic, classic song. Still singing it. In the 80s, um, Whitney Houston. Do a dance with somebody. You know that song? Do the dance with somebody. I don't really know words, but well, I do, but I don't think it's appropriate for church. <laughs> Is it Tom? Should we sing that? Have it to the songs? Sure. Let's, let's go. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? A lot. All right, the 90s, uh, we're singing Ice Ice Baby. How's that one go, Will? Just like that. In the noughties, 2000s, um, singing Single Ladies, and I Got a Feeling as well. That was a big song. Yeah. I Got a Feeling. Yeah. Feels like that. That song got played youth a lot. Um, I remember cranking that a lot. Uh, and then in the last sort of decade, we've been listening to Uptown Funk, Happy by Pharrell Williams. Was that song? That was a good song. Like, oh, upbeat songs. All of me. Uh, positive songs is good. Uh, and the point is, 
that I'm going through this is that we all have different things that we grow up and, and different moments in our life that impact us in different ways. And they're all really important. And every phase or every fad or every moment in our life shapes us in different ways, for good or for bad. And they're all um, vital to who we are today. And it's especially true of young people and their faith and their growth in who God has uh, helped them to become, that each phase of their life is, uh, is vital for their faith development. Um, so Jesus, uh, in Mark 9, 37, really valued children. He said to, to his disciples and to those who were around, you know, we need to make sure that we welcome children, that children are welcome into uh, whatever it is that we're doing. Jesus was um, big on welcoming those into his world and into, into the kingdom of God that weren't the normal or the, the types of people that would normally be welcomed into the kingdom of God. So he doesn't just welcome children, he welcomes the prostitute, he welcomes the tax collector, he welcomes the sinner, the, the down and out, the uneducated, uh, the women of the day were not welcomed into the kingdom of God. And so all these different people groups that sometimes of, um, in this culture were shunned or put to one side or put in the two hard basket, Jesus says, no, we are welcome. We need to welcome them all. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about how how it is that we can really welcome children and youth into the kingdom of God and what it is that we can do to make sure that they grow a vibrant relationship with Jesus. And you might be a parent, you might be an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent or a brother or a sister, or you might just know someone and be like a pseudo-aunt or uncle uh, to a young person. Uh, Whatever role it is that you play in different young people's life in your world is vital that you understand some of these truths so that you can do whatever it is that you can do to influence their future for Jesus. So if you've got um, a baby that was just born, you'd have 936 weeks between now and when that child was uh, 18 and ready to leave home. So how old is the baby up back here? Four months. Four months old. So uh, that's about, what, 920 weeks you've got left. Yeah, 920 weeks. If you've got... A one-year-old, 884 weeks. You quickly lose a few weeks, 884 weeks. If you've got a three-year-old, I've got a three-year-old, 780 weeks left. I mean, the weeks just getting chopped off, chopped off. 11 years old, you've got 364 weeks. 14 years old, 208 weeks left. And so every week counts. The point is this. Every phase, every week, every moment counts for the young person. Um, because we know that in church world and in the kingdom of God that um, people who make uh, a decision for Christ will, 90, about 90% of people who make a decision for Christ will make that decision before their 18th birthday. Um, and so we talk about young people a lot because it's super important that the young people in our church, in our world, in our influence, hear the message of Jesus clearly enough to make uh, a decision for Jesus so they'll follow Jesus for the rest of their life. So what is a phase? A phase is this. A time frame in a kid's life when you can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence their future. A time frame in a kid's life when you can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence their future. So every phase, every moment of a, of a child's life has distinctive uh, opportunities to influence their future. So the four big phases that we're going to look at, we're going to look at two tonight and then two next Sunday, uh, are these ones. So the zero to four-year-olds, uh, we're going to talk about how it's so important that we embrace their physical needs. And then the five to ten-year-olds, how we engage their interests. 
11 to 13 year olds, uh, we're going to talk about affirming their identity, and then 14 to 18 year olds mobilizing their potential. And so each, and then in each of those little categories, you could break it right down uh, further and further. And there's some great resources out in the foyer on the table. So if you're interested in, in a particular age or stage or phase of life, go check out after the service in the foyer. There's a table full of every single zero right through 17, every age, and what you should know and do when it comes to faith and So tonight, Lou's going to get up in a moment and share, um, as a young person who's in this demographic, what's important for them to know, uh, as a parent, what's important to know and to do, and then as a wider community of aunts, uncles, grandparents, friends, brothers, sisters, the rest of us, what's really important for us to know and do to, to get involved on this journey. So let's give Lua a hand and welcome her as she comes and shares. Thanks, Lou. Okay that I stand on the stage. I'm really little. I can barely see over this thing. Hey guys. Uh, don't be intimidated by my large pile of notes. I promise we are gonna have fun tonight. Um, my name's Lou. It's nice to see you all here and um, just quickly I just turned 34 this week. Um, so I like to say that my phase that I'm in right now is mid thirties. Anyone here in their mid thirties? No, you're all too young. Oh, ah, there we go, mid thirties. And you know, you know, you're in your mid thirties when you have to buy your own birthday present, and you have to outsource the cake to Woolworths, and you have to rely on the candles that you have in the drawer at home. <laughs> and so, uh, this particular birthday. I thought I was 34, but I'm actually 36 because we had a three candle from our kid that turned three. We had a six candle from our kid that turned six. And I'm just glad that he didn't switch it around and make me 63 because I'm not quite that wise yet. But, um, yeah, it's so good to talk to you uh, tonight. And I had a really great time just bringing some truth this morning, um, a little bit about me. If you hadn't met me before, my name's Lou. I've got four kids. It's a lot of kids to have at 34. Um, I am a teacher, or rather I used to be a teacher. I have a teaching degree that I now don't use to teach, but strangely, well not so strangely, God's now put me um, in this position where I get to be involved in SBC Kids, which is our kids' children's ministry, and um, get to be involved in playgroup. And, of course, be a parent deep, deeply in the trenches of parenthood. And so I feel like even though I don't use that you know, degree, and I've still got a hex deck, guys, <sighs> even though that's the case, uh, you know, I know that God's preparing me for a, a different thing and that, you know, it's not all for nothing. I think I learned some things along the way in saying that. I'm definitely not a parenting expert. Um, I have approximately, or rather exactly, 10 years, six months, four days, roughly about six hours worth of parenting experience personally. That's my oldest kid. And um, yeah, so I'm not an expert, but I feel like God's given me a heart for kids and he's given me some revelations about how we can influence our kids and how we can invite them to know Jesus. So hope you're with me there. Hope you can show me some grace because, you know, I'm talking to myself and hopefully learning along the way. 
with you guys too. So we've chosen to divide up these spaces um, four ways. I get two of them. I'm really excited for Lauren to do the next two next week. It's going to be amazing. Um, so let's just start off with phase one. And our key language here, yep, there they are. Here we go. Phase one, it's the yellow one. And our language here that we want to use with this phase is embrace. And it doesn't mean that we go around hugging all the little kids age zero from four, that would be really weird. But it means that we need to, number one must for this age is that we need to embrace their physical needs. That means we have to be okay with the fact that they need us uh, physically to do a lot of things for them. Um, you know, developmentally, phase one is traumatic. They go from being this sweet little baby, kind of a blob, doesn't do a whole lot, to being this big toddler who's suddenly walking and talking full of ideas and opinions and thoughts. And I likened it to the, the Hayman grandchildren. You've got the full gamut of phase one in your family, Bradley. But um, yeah, a child's brain develops more and faster in this phase than they ever will ever again. Um, so you can imagine what this phase is looking like. Somewhere along the spectrum of really, really, really needing adults to pretty much always needing an adult, but they really want to be independent. So to completely simplify this age, like it says, you know, kids have a built-in kind of question, no matter what age they are, developmentally. They want to know, am I safe? Am I able and am I okay? They're the questions that we, as the people who are looking after them, want to make sure that we answer a big fat yes to. And I really got to thinking that isn't it amazing how God designed us? He designed us so that we would have everything that we need in his timing for his purpose. Because God didn't design our physical development and our spiritual development to be separate from each other. They actually really fit well hand in hand. And I um, you know, there isn't a point in time when God decides or suddenly you're old enough or you're smart enough or clever enough to learn about God now. We can actually start from when they're a tiny baby, which is exciting to me. So I don't know if we've got it up there, but I wanted to read to you uh, from 2 Timothy. May, may or may not be up there. Um, but in 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 15, Paul writes... But as for you, continue what you've learnt and become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learnt it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul gets it. Paul knows that zero isn't too soon. Zero is not too young. Neither is one or two or three or four to start laying the foundation of faith for our little ones. So where do we begin? All right, next slide. Little kids from zero to four. We hope, oh, no, there it is. We would hope that in this phase that they get these things on their heart, that they know just these three simple things. We want them to know that God made them. We want them to know God loves them. And we want them to get the idea that Jesus wants to be your friend. That's it. That's pretty straightforward. Um. As parents, can I just speak to the parents here for a second? Or maybe 
you know, be one day parents to be, not looking at anyone in particular, but, you know, having kids, especially kids in this age group, it's really crazy. It's a no joke. Like, it's exhausting and it's difficult and I kind of feel like I'm just coming out of this phase, but I remember, trust me, I remember what it's like. And it's it's really overwhelming. And as the parent, you're kind of the, the people, the number one people responsible um, in your child's life. So much of this responsibility, it falls to us. And that's pretty freaky. You know, it can be super daunting, especially in this day and age. Like, this isn't the 80s anymore. It's not the Wild West, like when I was raised or earlier to that. You know, we've got to do a lot of stuff in 2019 and parenting. It's kind of like an Olympic sport. So I want to encourage you that you don't actually have to do anything extra to what you're already doing to show your child God's love. That's pretty exciting to me. You know, can I encourage you that you're probably already doing so much to show your child that God loves them? You're already doing it. The research shows that the most important thing to a child of this age is that they feel safe and able and loved unconditionally. And what you might not even realise is that when your baby's crying and you pick them up and your child's hungry and you feed them, when you embrace their physical needs, when you smile at them and you let them help with stuff, that you are giving them a first impression of our Heavenly Father. You're showing them what God's love looks like. All those little things, thousands of little things that we do for our children every day, they're actually not for nothing. I mean, we know they're not for nothing, but, you know, they're for something more than what we can even comprehend. You know, so you consistently meet your child's needs when they say, when they cry and you go to them again and again and again, you're actually teaching them how to trust, both, like, developmentally but spiritually too. Um, when you discipline them with love and patience, you are teaching them that God loves them no matter what. You know, it's a very tough and consuming job that we're doing as parents of this phase. It's actually all for his good purpose. Let's just remind ourselves of that when it's hard and it's mundane and it's exhausting. Now, God can use everything that's insignificant to us and help to build a foundation of faith in little ones, even little babies. Um, This may not be news to parents, but we have to learn their language. We have to learn how to talk to kids, how to communicate with them. And little kids, they think like artists, which I think is so cool. They're full of wonder. They're interested in the world. They want to see stuff. Um, When I was rocking, oh, going back a few years now, but rocking my first daughter to sleep or living in this house in Perth with air conditioning, have air conditioners in Perth, Um, and and I'm rocking her to sleep and she's looking up at me, or I thought she was looking up at me, and she just will not shut her eyes and I don't know what's going on, but she's smiling and she's so happy. And I realise it's because she's so in awe and wonder of the air conditioning duct above me that is so uh, well-catered to her developmental needs. She's so amused by the lines and the contrast, and she thinks that's fantastic. Um, you know, kids' brains, they're interesting. Um, but little ones, they learn best through music and through songs and 
silly things that rhyme. It doesn't have to be what we think is like big, profound truths. And, you know, let's not worry if they get details of the Bible stories wrong. That's, it's okay. As long as they get the message, it doesn't matter if they think that a lobster was present at the birth of Jesus. Yeah. You know, we've got to embrace that God-given imagination because it's that same imagination God gives little ones that helps them grasp the idea of a God that they cannot see. You know, faith like a child is pretty wild. Um, yeah, so nice. Um, just quickly, use your resources. This is 2019, folks, and we have apps for this. Um, there, literally, there is an app, and it's called Parent Q. I'm just kind of getting into it, but I've set up a profile for my kids. It's cool because it shows you, like Brad was saying, how many weeks you've done and how many weeks you've got left, um, and that's a bit scary. But it also, it's great. It updates every week. It says this is something to watch, funny little video. This is something to remember, Bible verse. This is something, this is like talking points, literally. Say this to your kid. So if you're stuck for ideas, just give it a try. You know, it couldn't hurt. I'm liking it already. Um, if you are, put up your hand, bit of audience participation. If you know, like personally, a child that is 0, 1, 2, 3, or 4, you know them. Like they're your friend's baby or your grandchild or your sister's kid. Awesome. Great. I'm talking to you because you guys are important. It's not just down to the parents. Parents need you. And one of the best things you can do as a person in a child's widest sphere of influence is you can be a supporter to the parents. You can check in with the parents. Sometimes we are not okay. Um, pray for us. Encourage us. Don't just tell us what a mess our kid is. Just help us. Be supportive. Um, something else you can do is be a familiar face. You know, kids at this age, they don't like strangers. They're scared of people that they don't know. So become someone that they do get to know. And, you know, this could even be, you know, a little kid. You're a youth kid and you see a little kid at church and you look friendly to them. You give them a smile. You know, don't be weird. Just have a friendly face and look at them and you know, slowly but surely you'll become a person that they recognise and that they um, think, oh, maybe I could be like that person. Um, by becoming part of their world, by showing them just a bit of love and kindness, you're not just being nice, but you're actually inviting them into the family of God. All these little things are not for nothing. You know, you could also, if you really wanted to get out there, you could go on the crèche team. Because crèche, surprise, surprise, is zero to four years. You know, this is, if you're interested or feel like God's leading you to influence kids of this age, be on the team. Be someone that can actually do something and spend time with kids, you know, and really helps everyone else out. And at the very least, if you're not a kid person, if you're not, like, really into babies, that's cool too. But at the very least, acknowledge, like Brad was saying, that these people are, these little ones are valuable. They're valuable to, oh, this is my voice. They're valuable to Jesus, and they should be valuable to us. They, they don't necessarily look like Jesus or sound like Jesus or, 
They're not very Christian yet. Sometimes they're really noisy and really, I don't know, gross. But, you know, we should welcome them. No one should feel more welcome in our church than a crying baby or a tantrum toddler. It's true. So let's jump over to phase two. This phase, I don't really want to play favourites, but this is the phase that I probably have the most to do with, so I really like these guys. Um, and three, three out of four of my kids are in this phase, so, you know, the stakes are high. But in phase two, we want to engage. We want to engage their interests. These kids are all about fun. If it's not fun, they don't want to know about it. You know, a lot of them are in primary school, um, they're discoverers, and they think like scientists now. They're not just interested in what is happening in the world, they want to know why, and they want the evidence. They want to know information. And in their development, they're wanting you to answer yes to these three questions. They want to know, do I have your attention? Do I have what it takes? Do I have friends? These are the things that matter to kids at this age. And... Speaking to young people of this age, you know, this is what we would hope that you would know, what God would start writing on your heart. We hope that you'd be building on what you've, on the foundation that has already been laid in your life and know now that you can trust God no matter what, that you can start to make wise choices and that you should treat people the way that you want to be treated. I'm going to get along. So... And how do kids do that? What should you do? It's pretty easy. You just keep doing what you're doing. Do what you do best. Be a discoverer. Be someone that asks questions. Be someone that uh, prays. Ask God. Read your Bible. Get the stories of God and what he does and, and learn them. Because when you know what's in the Bible, when you know the stories of God, then you know who God is because he shows us. He shows us that he's a creative God that made the world. He is a loving God that gave us Jesus. He is a caring God that heals the sick. He's a powerful God that rescues people. So if you want to know who God is, go to read your Bible, guys. Thankfully, kids in this space, they, they know how to read, mostly. Um, parents, any parents in here that have kids age like 5 to 10? Two of us? Well, at the risk of sounding dramatic, we are already running out of time because suddenly, now that they go to school, we get like, half the time is gone. We had about 12 hours before, now we've got about six if we're lucky. So suddenly we've got to jam in a lot more discipleship, God time. And, you know, I'm realising that actually there is no good time to schedule Jesus time. You can't schedule that stuff in anymore. You've got to fit it where it goes. If you're having a rough time in the morning, like we often are, we're usually late, usually mum's a bit grumpy, you know, we're going to pray in the car on the way to school because everyone's upset and we need Jesus. You can't schedule that stuff in. Um, so when our kids are little, I just want to show you this cool graph because it really it speaks to me. Oh, sorry, I'm talking really fast. It's okay. Um, when our kids are little, we have a lot of positional influence. That means we are the boss of them because we have to do everything for them. Technically, that kind of makes it sound like 
they're the boss of us. But we're in charge because we have to do everything. At the same time, we also have very little relational influence. We haven't built a relationship with them yet. They're too young. It takes a long time to build a relationship. But we hope that along the way, their positional influence goes down because kids get more independent, they grow up, they get clever, and that our relational influence goes up. This is, this is what we hope because we're hoping that we're building a relationship with our kids that gives us more influence with them because of what we've put in to the relationship. And the goal is that they'll listen to us because of that relationship, not just because I'm your mum and I said, because they just didn't fly. You can, you can see the difference. Um, who's ever had their parents say that to you? Because oh, I said so. Um, in phase two, this is where parents, we got to up our game. This is like the golden years where kids still like us enough to hang around us. Um, <laughs> Just, but also they really want, they really want to hang around us and they want to share life with us. You know, these are the years where we need to answer those big internal questions. And if we want to answer them with yes, if we want to, if we go back to the slide just before, thanks Clayton. Um, if we want to say yes to do I have what it takes, then, oh, sorry, uh, do I have your attention? Let's start from the top. Um, sorry, one more slide back. <laughs> Oh, goodness, I don't know where we're up to. But if it's if we want to say yes to do I have your attention, then we have to actually give them attention. We have to give them time. If we want to say yes to do I have what it takes, we have to acknowledge and encourage their efforts. And if we want to say yes to do I have friends, we actually have to give them opportunities to make friends. And I don't realise actually how hard that can be, trying to fit in playdates and facilitating friendships, but we've got to do it. So for us to influence a child, we have to earn the credit. For us to earn the credit, we have to speak their language. And we have to speak their language. We have to know our kids. We have to know what they're into. You know, um, a few years ago, we got rid of our TV, which is a little bit weird, but long story, it's not actually about the TV. But the point is, because we had no TV, I didn't actually watch AFL football for about three years. And that's fine, but at the beginning of this year, my five-year-old boy, he watched Game 1, Round 1, 2019, and he decided that AFL was actually the best thing to enter his life in a long time, and he wanted all of it. He wanted to talk about it. He wanted to play it. He wanted to watch it. He wanted to collect the cards that go with it, which I gave him to. Um, you know, it was very intense. He wanted to live and breathe footy. And if you know my son, if you've met him, he's now six, and he's a very intense child. Um, we deserve him in many ways. But we, we could have, I could have chosen to remain out of the loop because it wasn't really my thing. I could have let my husband be the footy person, but I decided that, hang on, I'm going to cash in here. I'm going to cash in on his passion and... I'm going to take this opportunity to connect with my son. And so I got caught up. I learned about fleeing. I learned players. I learned numbers. I learned stats. I watched highlights. I went to games. 
And it was exhausting, but, you know, he thought I was cool because I cared about what he cared about and we could discuss it. We connected about this. And, you know, besides the fact that it bought me relational credit, without me even realising it, God was using, using that connection with my son to actually reveal to Cedar, that's his name, his character. Let me explain what I mean. You know, we can tell our kids, Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to be in your life. Jesus cares about you. Jesus wants a relationship with you. But if we don't show them what being in their life looks like, that message isn't going to sink in. So we've got to meet that need to engage. And it does more than what we think it does. It shows them that they can trust God's character. So everyone else, I know that you guys know someone who's five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten. And that's a lot of ages. But what could you do? You know, you guys are super, super valuable. Um, and especially, like, as a parent of kids this age, I, I need other people to be godly influences in their life. I need, like, older, cooler people, <laughs> older and cooler people to be in their life. You know, kids need more than just their parents. And, you know, if you want to encourage and influence our young people, we've got to pay attention. we got to learn their ways. And you guys probably know more about young people than what I do. Um, I learned how to floss this year, and I think flossing is still cool if you're nine. I think there's something, a new move that I'm going to learn. Lauren, you can teach me that one. Um, if you're lucky, the old stuff comes back, like the macarena. My kids did not know that I knew the macarena, and I totally, oh, it was a moment in parenting. Um, go to a kid's movie, even, like, if you think it's too young for you. If you want to connect with kids of a certain age, go to something that they would want to see. Even angry birds too. What I'm trying to say is get relevant with that age group. Um, if you are a youth kid, it's probably something you liked about six months ago because they're not as <laughs> as on the ball as you guys. Um, if you're not sure what they like, step two, I think we're flicking over to the next, next one. There we go. Be friendly and have a conversation. My kids love um, kids at this age, they flipped. They don't have stranger danger so much anymore. They want to talk to someone who's interested in them. So, you know, ask them what their name is. How old are you? What are you into? I don't think that's too weird. I feel like that's something that a kid would love. They would love if someone who was a bit older than them. They would love Grayson if you came up to them and was like, hey, what's your name? Then you've got to be consistent. Don't give up. <laughs> they actively run away. <laughs> you know, when you make the effort to connect with kids, when you keep on trying, Graceland, you're actually showing them what it's like to be in the family of God and you're affirming them. You're saying, yep, this is a good place to be. Um, you guys should totally be part of SBC Kids. I've actually managed to rope actually he offered. But Kieran, I'm so excited that you're going to be part of SBC Kids because we really want to present the gospel in, like, the funnest way possible because these kids, they're all about fun. They're motivated by it because that's the way God made them. 
We want to work with that. We want to use that. We're not waiting for them to grow out of it. You know, needing fun is good because God is fun. And it's in this phase, in this age group of engaging, you know, we do games and actions and dancing and puzzles and challenges. We feed each other yogurt with hands behind that. Like we try and make it as disgusting and interesting as possible because we want to put that alongside God. We want to offer these things alongside the stories in the Bible because we need them to connect their story with God's story. Um, sometimes I think if it hasn't gone so well in SBC Kids, it's probably just because it wasn't fun enough. So we're trying to make it, you know, fun for days. Um, I'm just going to wrap up in a second. And I'm really, really, like I said, Lauren, looking forward to the next few phases because I have no idea. I don't remember what it's like to be a teenager, but I need I need to peek ahead. I need I know that I need to be present in the phase that we're at, but I want to know what's coming. I do. Please tell me. I do. I need to prepare at the very least. So, you know, I love that we're looking at this. I think it's really important. You know, if we can influence the way a child sees God and the way they see themselves, if we can help them understand that they've been made by a divine creator, they've got a stamp of God's goodness in their life, uh, that they're redeemed by a saviour, when that message gets on their heart, it actually changes things for the rest of their life. This is a big deal. So, you know, let's be unified in this. Let's do it together. Let's parent, let's lead, let's influence, let's communicate with kids like they matter to God. Because it's not just going to change how we see kids when we think that way, but it's going to change how kids see God.